volleyball season is unofficially here. The teams have all reported, practices have begun. Start the countdown to opening day. This is Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast, and the reaction to episode one was overwhelming and remarkable. I want to thank each and every one of you who listened and commented and wrote to me and Dave with the kindest of words. I'm Daniel Gilman, play-by-play broadcaster for Purdue Volleyball, alongside Dave Shondell, the head coach for the Purdue Boilermakers. How's it going today, Dave? It's really good, uh, Daniel. We've already had a practice in the books this morning, uh, a lot of passing, serving, and defense, and um, we got a little bit of time in between, but it's a full um agenda today we've got the bgr boiler gold rush uh, group will have about like 12 14 thousand freshmen over at ross aid stadium and our team will get a chance to greet them and welcome them to campus and they've got some other meetings today as as well so uh pretty full docket for them and uh you know we're just trying to make this team as well prepared as possible for the start of the season it's not too far away this episode will focus mainly on the freshmen the six that take up a uh, top 10 recruiting class for Coach Shondell and his staff heading into their 17th season. We're also going to have a get-to-know interview with a few of the freshmen as we'll be talking to each and every player on this fantastic 16-woman roster for the Boilermakers. So let's get right into it. As uh, Dave sits across me here in his office, we're not at Lake Freeman anymore, so uh, a little less glamorous of a view but still a fantastic array of balls and memorabilia around here in Dave's office so the first thing I want to ask you is to take us fans through that first week or so of practice you know the two a days that the girls have and the everyday schedule for these student athletes well you know they might be able to describe that better than I uh, because I'm not living in their shoes Uh, I think sometimes that we assume being a student athlete is a glorified but you know job and uh, everybody wants to be a student athlete at a you know a big 10 university but it's not all um, sometimes what we might imagine there's a lot of work that goes into it they don't show up for practice five minutes ahead of time and then leave as soon as it's over there's a lot of preparation to to get ready you know we already have athletes that are have got some nicks and bruises and you know some soreness and have to come in early to take care of that they have to take care of it afterwards uh, there's weight training that they're going to be in the, you know right now this time of year they're in the weight room three times a week that's another hour uh, on top of what they're doing there's no time limit to how long we can train the athletes before school starts once school starts we have a four hour per day time limit and a 20 hour per week uh, allotment that we can be with our athletes and that's been the case i think really about ever since i've been here uh, i think that there are coaches that were abusing uh, the time and, and just demanding way too much of the student-athletes. So one thing that has really happened in the last five years is that the student-athletes, the student welfare has become very valuable. And uh, the students have had a big say in, in what goes on uh, in their life. And I think it should be that way. And, uh, but but they, are, they are busy. And uh, right now, without school, it's, it's, they're able to focus pretty well on volleyball. But when school starts here on the 19th, then um, they have a lot more going on. All of a sudden, there's you know 35,000 people on this campus and lots, lots to do. And they have to try to find a way to um, maintain their focus and, and set their priorities straight and, uh, and, and continue to develop as a volleyball player. Players from around the nation reported 
for the first practice on August 8th. Report day was August 7th. So now as we look at the summer for these student athletes, is there an off season for them? Well, I think they get some good downtime. Uh, you know, our season ends sometime before Christmas and uh, that's when our, you know, winter break is. So they get to go home and spend, you know, maybe two or three weeks uh, away from campus and they come back and then we get into training slowly. We can only be in the gym with them about four hours a week uh, and in the weight room four hours a week for about a six to seven week period. So that's what I would consider some downtime, uh, off time for them where they can rejuvenate emotionally and, and recover physically. And then we get back into a spring season where we're training 20 hours a week and we have the opportunity to play four dates where we can you know, challenge our players to see how far they've progressed during the spring season. But then late April, we're done. And as coaches, we cannot be with our athletes in the gym environment from late April until, in this case, August 8th. That's a long time to not be training your athletes. Fortunately, at Purdue, our athletes um, stay here. They take summer classes. Uh, they train with our sports performance uh, person, Michelle, and she has them four or five days a week. They set up their own open gym um, situations where they get in and train and practice and play. But it's, it's out of our hands at that point. It's all volunteer. So the two downtimes I think they have is after our regular season concludes, uh, even through some of the, the four-hour week time that we have with them, and then when uh, April 7th, or April, late in April, when our spring season concludes, they have you know, some time to, to really relax, and, and summertime is kind of up to them how much time they want to be in the gym. And what about for the coaches? What does May, June, and July look like for you, John, and Kat? Well, May is the best time of the year for a college volleyball coach because you cannot recruit during the month of May. Your players are not here for you to, to train or to really um, supervise for that matter. And so it's a good time um, for you to, again, emotionally recover, uh, maybe take a vacation, spend more time with your family, uh, whatever it is that, that you do. Um, and then through June and July, recruiting picks up again. And those are two, especially June, is a really busy recruiting time. So you're all over the, the map at that point. Then you have camps in July. Um, but it's not as hectic as it is during the regular season. Still, May, June, and July are, are pretty good times, I think, uh, for a volleyball coach. You, you have the opportunity to select uh, to some degree where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. And uh, if you want to take some time off to be on vacation or be with family or you know, enjoy what you like to do. You can do that during those three months. I've had a couple fans ask me, and I'm curious as well, if you can walk us through the process of finding these six, you know, freshman student athletes, how did you go about recruiting them? And then how did you know that they were Purdue material? Well, there's really a story for every player that's at Purdue or, or has ever come to Purdue. They're all different. Um, you know, Sheridan Atkinson's story uh, is different than Ava Torrance's story. Uh, Ariel Turner's story is different than Stephanie Lynch Harpenau's. They're all they're all different, but you know, in the in most cases, they don't fall in your lap. Uh, you know, they don't write you and say, "I want to come to Purdue," and all of a sudden you have a recruit. There, there's a lot more to it. It's it's not as easy as it, as it, as it seems on paper. But we do have a terrific recruiting class. They're better than what we expected. You know, we've been in the gym for a week now and uh, just unbelievable people. 
and skilled and talented and physical, and uh, they get better every day. And, and we have these three outside hitters, Maddie Cook, Emma Ellis, and Maddie Chin. They're all about six one and a half to six two and a half, and every day it, it, it changes. You know, we think, okay, this is our ranking, one, two, three, and then the next practice it changes, and the next practice it changes. So there's, there's a real brouhaha going on, you know, between those three uh, fighting for, you know, an opportunity to, to really contribute this year. So uh, at first I thought we might redshirt one of those players. I think it's going to be almost impossible because, number one, they're talented. Number two, we can't tell much difference between them, and we think that we're going to need all three of them. That was, you know, excellent insight into just the whole juggling that coaches have to do in the offseason. And then here in the season, the, the chess game that, that you have to consistently play there. When you watch national televised volleyball, when you watch the Final Four in the championship game last year, you can see chemistry usually is the focal point of both of the teams that are there. The reason they're there is because their players can communicate so well. So now how do you go about building the team chemistry, especially with the 12 underclassmen that you have this season? Well, it starts with who you have in your group. Um, that's one thing that you know I've learned in the 16 and a half years I've been at Purdue is you know, recruiting talent is really important if you want to compete in the Big Ten. But recruiting quality, high character, outstanding individuals is more important. And if you can recruit those kind of people, then a lot of times that that cohesion, that chemistry, that becoming a great teammate is easier um, a job for a coach to, to, to make those things happen. But you're right. If you're not playing in the Final Four, if you don't have great cohesion and you don't have you know, outstanding leadership on your team. And so that doesn't happen by itself. There's certainly some things that you as a coach have to try to provide uh, to allow that to happen. And, you know, Right now, every one of our athletes has a book. Jeff Jansen's one of the great leadership um, uh, gurus of all time, and, and uh, he's got a lot of different ways to, to help you know create that leadership and becoming a great teammate. And so our, our girls are studying those books, and Kathy Wright Eager, who is our leadership director at Purdue, and Stephanie Harpenau, they're, they're working with our athletes uh, with that, and, and you hope that that will help. It, it should, you know, sometimes... Uh, athletes just don't know they're young and they don't know what they're supposed to do and, and what being a great leader is about and being a great follower and being a great teammate. So that's, you know, one of the things that we're doing. I just think spending time together is helpful. And, uh, you know, yesterday we, we took the afternoon practice off because sometimes you just can't go twice a day. You need to give the girls a break emotionally and physically. And so we went out to our little place on, on Lake Freeman where you've been a few times and we just let them hang out. And there wasn't anything real... Um, organized or structured. We just kind of let them hang out. We even took them out in the tube and risked the fact that somebody might break an arm, but, but nobody got hurt, which was nice. But I, I feel like we, you have to let kids live. And I said, okay, you guys are staying up in the bunkhouse. Have at it. You know, you figure out where, where people are going to sleep and how you're going to put 16 players up in that bunkhouse and, and make it work and get a, get a halfway decent night's sleep. So those are just some of the things that you, know, that you try to do. But you have to work with your older players on how to lead a team. That, that If you think that that just happens, it doesn't. Every now and then, you might have once every four years, you might have somebody with uncommon natural leadership skills. But it doesn't happen very often. And so that's our job as a staff to help those players as they mature and get older to understand their role of being a leader 
it may be the most important thing they do, maybe more important than middle blocking, maybe more important than, than you know serving aces, is are they going to provide the proper leadership to bring this team and these young players along? And at least from my perspective, I think it goes a long way that the staff has the cohesion. The fact that you and your brother and Kathy Jewell have been there for now 16 plus years. And I want to know the story behind, I genuinely have not heard the story yet. How did you find Kat Jewell, who's, you know, the head of your recruiting as your assistant coach? How did you go and get her from the state of Michigan? You know, how did she get on your radar and how did that go about happening? Well, you know, uh, Kat's been fantastic. And, you know, she travels all across this country uh, to try to, you know, find players and be visible. You know, sometimes that's, that's the most important thing is having a Purdue sweatshirt on with Purdue written across your chest and being on a court so that those young players know that, they're, you know, we're interested in, in them. And, and so, you know, she, she puts a lot of miles in to make that, make that happen. Um, when I got the job back in 2003, February, um, you know, we posted the jobs, and uh, we needed you know two assistant coaches, and I had ninety nine applicants. Ninety were men, and nine were women, and um, so you know a lot of people wonder you know off the top why aren't there more women involved in, in coaching volleyball, and, and I don't have all the answers for that. I, mean, I can you know talk about you know society today, and that you know women sometimes don't have as much flexibility, but, you know, it's changing, thankfully, okay, I think there are more women involved in the game now, but we had 99 applicants, 90 were men and 9 were women, and only 3 had Division One coaching experience of those 9 women. Clearly, we got the best one. We, we had a really good candidate, Kathy Jewell, who had been at Central Michigan, and she's just been a great piece to the puzzle that we've put together here that I think has, has made this program successful, and as I've mentioned before, uh, you know, she's not going to sit quiet if she thinks something needs to be changed or something's not being done the way it needs to be done. And I think that's a great um, uh, characteristic for somebody to have. You know, we, we can't be afraid to question each other when you're coaching. We, you know, we have to get better. We haven't been good enough. We have to get better. And, uh, but, she, you know, she's done, done a great job. And um, I, I actually, funny story was I went down and, and interviewed with, uh, the late uh, Roger uh, Blaylock down in New Orleans at the Final Four the year before I got this job, and I never met Kathy Jewell, but on the bus, on the shuttle bus going to the airport at about 4.30 in the morning, Kathy Jewell was on that shuttle sitting next to me, and we talked to her and her head coach about, you know, I was interviewing for this job and so forth, and so that was the first time I met Kat was on that shuttle both of us a little pie-eyed at the time, you know, coming in out of New Orleans on the after the NCAA Final Four and, and the <laughs> banquet. But um, needless to say, that was the beginning of what's been a, a really, really strong relationship. And, and she does a, a terrific job of pointing us in the right direction. Let's uh, change gears here for a minute. Yesterday, August 13th, the uh, AVCA came out with their preseason coaches poll. So for those that haven't uh, seen it, we'll go through it just, just briefly. Stanford's number one the defending champs who beat Nebraska, Nebraska's two, and then six of the top eight reside in uh, in the Big Ten Conference. You got Minnesota three, Wisconsin five, Illinois six, Penn State eight, five of the top eight, pardon me, as uh, Purdue comes in at 17, Michigan 15, and Purdue's opponents in the non-conference, Kentucky is at seven, 
and Louisville's at 25. Now, nine straight years in the preseason, 25. I know it's not, you know, not what you want. You want to be in the final poll, top 10, obviously, but just being recognized with your consistency, how does that, you know, make you feel when you take a look at that and see that the Purdue Boilermakers consistently are sitting in the top 20 in the preseason polls? Well, I would rather be there than not. Um, the statement, if you're not in there, is not a good indication of what people think about your program. But the preseason poll is, is virtually meaningless, to be honest with you. It's a reflection of last year or you know years past. And um, I, I actually think that we're, we're much better than 17, to be honest with you, but I'm a pretty optimistic individual. Uh, time will tell, but you know what it does show is that there's a lot of good teams that we're going to have to play and beat if we want to have a successful season. We want to win uh, a championship, and um, you know I, I know Nebraska, Minnesota return a, a ton of players after fantastic seasons. Wisconsin may actually be the the front runner in our league, to be honest with you, with the talent that they've got. Dana Recchi, who may be the best player in the game uh, right now, and uh, you know Illinois, Kentucky, Louisville, Penn State. And then you got to get into the rest of the Big Ten, you know, Michigan, um, Ohio State, Maryland, Indiana, Northwestern. There's a lot of improved programs in our league that sometimes get forgotten. You can't put 14 Big Ten teams in the top 25, okay? But I would venture to say that 10 of them or 11 of them have a legitimate shot to be a top 25 program. Just from these rankings, Purdue's going to face number two, Nebraska, home and away, number three, Minnesota, home and away, travel to number five, Wisconsin, travel to number seven, Kentucky, travel to number eight, Penn State, host number six, Illinois, home and away against number 15, Michigan, and then play number 25, Louisville, in a neutral site. Looking at that, how confident are you that the RPI of this team is going to be where you want it to be, at least from a strength of schedule position? I think we've given ourselves, with our schedule, an opportunity to, to have a good RPI, which um, for some reason is what 95% of the committee looks at uh, when, they, when they select uh, seed teams and select teams, and I think that needs to be totally resurrected, um, changed dramatically. But, uh, but you have to play the game, and, uh, and Notre Dame is a team that will also be on the cusp of the top 25 that we play. And then we can only hope that – you know, some of the other teams that are on our schedule have really good seasons. Uh, I, I can take you back to 2014, which is the only time in the last nine years that we haven't been in the NCAA tournament, and we finished fifth in the Big Ten. And we had one of the most talent-ridden teams I've ever had. But so many of the teams that we played had bad years, non-conference. Uh, just an example, Moorhead State had won 30 matches four years in a row. That year they won three. Notre Dame had been a top 25 program year after year after year. They, they bottomed out that year. And those things hurt you. So you can schedule what you think is a perfect RPI schedule, but that doesn't mean it's going to be that way because you can't control what teams do um, throughout the season. All right, we're tied 2-2. Let's head into the fifth set with Shondell as we learn a little bit more about this Purdue volleyball head coach. First question, how did you get into volleyball when you were little? Well, I didn't have much choice, as you know. Uh, my dad, uh, Dr. Don Chandell, was uh, at Ball State University. Uh, he started out uh, coaching really pretty close to here at Brook High School uh, in Rent- near Rensselaer, Indiana. But when I was one, he was called back to Ball State to run the intramural program and be uh, the, like a, the ticket guy at, uh, for Ball State Athletics. 
And soon after that, they asked him to, to, to run the men's volleyball program, which was a club organization. He, uh, because of the vision that he had, um, opted to try to make that a varsity sport. Uh, there's actually a book that has been written about that um, effort uh, to make Ball State uh, a varsity sport. It became a varsity sport. UCLA and Ball State were the first two men's sports teams that became varsity in America. And, uh, but anyway, so I grew up in a volleyball family. I watched my older brother, Steve, uh, you know, play the game. We, put, we all played all sports, uh, but, you know, we all, Steve, John, and I all went to Ball State and, and played volleyball. So uh, I didn't have, a, you know, a whole lot of choice as far as being involved in volleyball. My dad never, you know, forced me to play volleyball. He just wanted me to, to be involved in a lot of things. But it, it worked out that uh, I went to Ball State and played and um and fortunate that you know because of him, uh, primarily I I'm where I am now. What was it like growing up in the Shondell house? Well, growing up was great. I mean, my dad would would, would love to spend time you know with 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 us, and you know John's much younger. You know, Steve was is three years older than I am, and I got a chance to have a great role model, uh, Steve, who was a, a great athlete in his day. And, uh, but we would, you know, in the summer we played baseball, in the fall we played football, in the winter we were playing basketball. Uh, we'd also, you know, have junior track, we'd play tennis, you know, you name it, we were doing it. You know, we had, we had a pool that was nearby and we, we went to the pool all the time and swam. And uh, my dad would take us to all the events at Ball State. And I traveled with him, uh, you know, with Ball State men's volleyball across the country. Uh, he always allowed us to, you know, to jump in those vans. They didn't fly anywhere back then. You jumped in these vans and, and went across to different parts of the country to play volleyball, and, and those were always great trips and great memories. And uh, growing up in Muncie, Indiana, in the '60s and '70s was unbelievable. It just couldn't have gotten any better. Why is that? Just a great town. I mean, it was hopping. It was the the, the, the population of the town was the best. You get right up. When I was in kindergarten, I was riding my bike a mile to school because there were there was no fear about you know anything going on. And, uh, you know, we just, it was a great time in Muncie. Then, you know, that was before the auto industry went in the tank. And uh, all towns like Muncie and Anderson and Richmond and, and, and Newcastle and Kokomo, uh, you know, really, really struggled from that point on because of the auto industry. Well, now we travel a little bit differently than taking vans. So let me ask you, what are one or two of your favorite Big Ten cities to visit? You know, that's funny because uh, the girls were asking me that last night, you know, what's your favorite uh, road trip and I said I really don't have that many because I don't like going to those places that much they're all you know there's a lot of stress when you're in the Big Ten you, you know they're not a lot of, after it's over it, it, they're fine especially when you win the, the best part about competing in the Big Ten is the flight home after you had a road win or the bus trip home depending on you know where you've been but there's nothing better than being in a plane coming back from a place like Wisconsin or Nebraska or wherever else with a, with a win because those are hard to get. Um, but quite honestly, I like Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska is, is a place that has embraced the sport of volleyball. When you walk into a restaurant with your volleyball team in Lincoln, uh, they treat you with great respect. They know who you are. They know what, how good your team is. It's a pretty neat deal. I like going to Penn State. It's, it's hard to win at both those places, but I, I, I like uh, both of those particular towns. I don't mind going to Bloomington, Indiana. You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's our state. And so I, you know, I like, I like when we go down there and play. My, my wife was actually born in Bloomington. So, um, you know, those, those are a few of the places that, that, that I like. But we, we are blessed that we, we travel well 
and uh, the university takes great care of us and it makes makes it easy. Again, the welfare of our students is pretty good when you're when you're charter flying most of the places. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Lincoln. You know, averaging over eight thousand fans per match last season, and uh, that flight home from uh, from Penn State that was a lot of fun last year. It was. It was fast. You know, we, we got back really, really pretty quick. But that was that was a furious, fast and furious comeback that we had there. But you know, we that can't be once in a lifetime events. You know, those are things that if you want to, um, you know, get to the to the mountaintop, you know, you've got to go in and, and, and expect to beat more people. And, and I think this team is in a position to, to make, make that happen. All right. Thanks so much, Coach. Thank you, Daniel. It's always a pleasure. He's Dave Shondell, the heart, brains, and passion behind Purdue Volleyball. Now it's time to befriend a boiler. Every episode, I'll be sitting down with some stellar student-athletes so you can better get to know them. Today, we have a pair of freshmen. We'll start with the freshman DS from Avon, Indiana, Ava Torrance. Ava, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Ava's got a fantastic smile, brings a lot of energy <laughs> to the practices, and so we'll start this off with a couple of fun questions, a little bit of volleyball talk. The first question I'll ask is if you were stuck on a desert island and you could only have one meal left, your head coach said uh, mashed potatoes, fried chicken, and salad. What would your choice be? Definitely peanut butter with fruit, specifically banana, but I really like sushi or any type of Asian food. Okay. And then uh, as we get ready to start this season, superstition comes into a lot of players' mentality. Do you guys have any superstitions? Do you have any pregame rituals yourself? No, I've never really been a superstitious player at all. Like, I don't really have anything specific. That's good to know. <laughs> and then as we, you know, document your history, you went to Avon, you actually played with your teammate JL Johnson. You have any fun memories about that in high school? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we won state together. So that was a lot of fun. And just like my freshman, sophomore, junior year, she was always a really great leader. So like whenever I found out we were both going to Purdue, I was super excited about that. I was excited to be her teammate again. And so obviously Brooke Peters as well. Did you watch Purdue before you? Oh, yes. Committed? I remember watching Brooke play in three state championships. I think it was my seventh or maybe sixth, seventh and eighth grade year, I think. So, yeah, I always looked up to her. And so why did you pick Purdue? Um, I really wanted to stay close to home and like playing for Purdue was always a huge dream of mine. But actually, like I really wanted to play on their softball team when I was little. I would always go to the softball games, a lot of the volleyball and football games. But like I was really set on softball until I started playing volleyball. And I was like, well, Purdue would be perfect. <laughs> How did you get into volleyball? How old were you? Um, I was 13 and my sister started playing. And I was like, my mom's like, do you want to try it out? So I did. And I really liked it. What's your favorite part about playing volleyball? Um, definitely all of the friendships I've made, the relationships I've made, and I just like the adrenaline. Like, when I compare it to softball, I'm, like, running around everywhere, playing a bunch of balls, and I just like moving all the time. How would you describe this freshman group that we have here at Purdue? Um, I couldn't have asked for a better freshman class. Like, we're all best friends. We go to dinner together every night, or not, every other night. <laughs> but, yeah, we have become best friends, and I think... Like the beginning, the summer was really difficult for us, but we were there for each other and helped a lot. Now, you said you don't have any pregame rituals or superstitions, but is there one or two artists or different songs that you listen to to pump yourself up before the matches? Um, I listen to a lot of Khalid, any song by him, even if it's sad. <laughs> All right, and then um, coming into this year, not everyone has to pick a major. Have you picked a major yet? Yes, I'm majoring in hospitality and tourism. So if you had to choose one mm. dream job after you graduate, what would it be? 
Well, I was always leaning towards, like, the wedding route, like, something with weddings, but I came on, like, the campus visit once, and a girl, a tennis player, actually runs something with cruise lines, so she just gets to go on cruises and, like, run everything, and I think that'd be perfect. That'd be so fun. And then last question here, do you have any listed goals for yourself in this freshman season? Um, I want to improve serving just because that's what will get any DS on the court. I want to improve my serve and I want, I just want to win. I want all of us to do well and win and play hard and have a great season. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm joined now by the freshman DS Maddie Skimmerhorn from Ligonier, Indiana, another Hoosier State Mm -hmm. prospect in for Dave Shondell. Maddie, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you. So let me ask you right off the bat, how has your first month or two been as a member of the Purdue volleyball team? Um, It's been a really good experience just because the intensity has been so high since the moment we stepped on the court. And the girls um, are always so disciplined when we walk into the gym like this summer when we were on our own. We held ourselves accountable. So I think it's been a really good experience getting to know them on and off the court. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. What is your description. Ava loved to talk about this freshman class. She said you guys are all best friends. How would you describe the six of you? We're all really competitive, but at the same time, we have a little bit of goofiness to us. So like, I feel like we all see the better side in things when things may be going bad. And that's what I really like about all of us. Who would be the clown of the group? In Maddie Chin. Why? She's just so ditzy sometimes. It's so funny. Like, she's just such a great girl, but she's always the one to just make us laugh or just be like, Maddie, like, what are you doing? (laughs) So, yeah. There's a lot of Maddie, so the fans are going to have to really get to know each one of you individually. Mm -hmm. How would you describe yourself as a player on the court and then Mm -hmm. off the court? Um, I would say on the court, I am the type of person that can encourage others, but it's not to the point, like, I could communicate a lot more. I bring high energy, but it isn't to the extent where it should be yet. So that's what I'm going to try to work on this season. And off the court, I feel like I'm just kind of going with the flow. Like I enjoy being around everyone. So, I mean, that's I just like to have fun. That's all I'm here for. So that's good. Do you have any pregame rituals or superstitions? No, not really. I mean, sometimes I just listen to music, like my same playlist I always listen to. But I don't have any like daily like one that I do. So What are some top songs on this playlist of yours well I don't really have any top songs I just listen to Drake and the baby <laughs> and that's pretty good pump up yeah. music gets you gets you ready <laughs> if you were stuck on a desert island you could only have one meal what would it be I would have tater tot casserole with a side of strawberries and blueberries why did you go ahead and commit and then pick Purdue um well actually Purdue has been like our university at my family has always loved to be around. We've always been to either women's basketball games, men's basketball games, football games, and volleyball games growing up. So the atmosphere has always been super cool to be around. And when I got the offer, it just seemed extra special to our family. It's been a dream of mine to be a Purdue volleyball player. So I thought that was pretty cool. So you grew up rooting for Purdue. I read that you wrote on a paper, right, in second grade that this is where you wanted to play. Yeah, yep, it was. It said pretty volleyball player and it was in brown marker. I was trying to like do the colors, which is terrible. I thought it was brown. <laughs> but we have like posters and like pictures down in our basement of like old Purdue basketball games we used to go to. So it's just been awesome. Like my aunts and uncles went here. My parents didn't go here, but just like my grandparents stuff went here. So it's been a really cool place to be at now, now that knowing my family's supporting me. So it's really cool. What's your major? 
elementary education. So do you want to be a teacher? Yeah, <laughs> my mom is too. So that's kind of what got me started. I helped her out in the classroom my senior year and it it just felt right. I want to do that. So I'm excited. That's fantastic. Yep. Do you have a favorite volleyball memory? Um, my favorite volleyball memory would actually be, well, for school season, it's my junior year because that was the year we had no seniors and everyone kind of overlooked us, but we ended up winning the NECC title or conference title. And then my senior year for club, it would just be going to the gold bracket at nationals in the open league. So I thought that was pretty cool. And last question, do you have any goals set for yourself in this freshman year? Um, my goal for myself my freshman year is just to become better like mentally and physically as a player. Whether I get in one game or I get in every game, like I just want to become the best player I can be by the end of the season. All right, thanks so much, Maddie. Thank you. That's Maddie Skimmerhorn. <laughs> next week, we'll have some more freshmen joining us, and next episode will be all about the schedule with the season fast approaching. The opening match is on September 1st against Ohio, followed by Ball State at home two days later. Until then, I'm Daniel Gilman, and this is Dig City Purdue Volleyball. <laughs>